Well, good morning, church family. I'm excited to get to share with you guys this weekend. I'm excited about that. My name is Ben. I have the joy of serving on our ministry team and getting to do life serving and walking alongside all our young adults in the return. And it is just good to be with you guys this morning. I'm excited for what God's going to do. Thankful for what God's going to do. Before we jump in, can we give a quick shout out, show some love to all the folks over in the video venue right now and those watching online? Yeah. Makes me want to do that like Arsenio Hall. Like, remember that? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, like 89 to 95, he had a show. Um, if you're over 30, come on, guys. Uh, in my head, that made so much sense. But thankful you guys are with us. I'm excited for this opportunity to tag in here on week three of this series that we've been walking through leading up to Christmas Adventually, where we are just in the life of the church, specifically shifting our focus in this Christmas season to orient our hearts to the, the magnitude of all these beautiful things that God wants for us, these things that God has for us that come with Christ, hope and love and joy and peace, these things found only in Jesus. See, Advent is more than just a season. Advent is a sense of expectancy. It's a sense of anticipation, a sense of waiting and longing, and we are all waiting for something. We're all waiting for something. Some of us may be like, I'm, I'm not waiting for something. I'm waiting for anything. <laughs> like, like whatever it is, we're waiting for something. Sometimes it's for something to change or something to resolve or something to begin or something to end. Some of us, we know exactly what it is that we're waiting for. Some of us, we have no idea, but we feel the weight of our waiting. Some of us, we have no clue. Some of us, we have it crystal clear in our hearts and our heads, and it leaves some of us hopeful, and it leaves some of us fearful. Either way, waiting is the hard work of staying where you are until something happens. Waiting is hard work. It is hard to stay put, waiting for something different to happen. That's the tension that we all live in. That's the tension we all walk through. Waiting is action. It's action, even when it doesn't feel like it. Waiting is action. And so how we wait matters, and that has everything to do with Advent. We're all waiting for something this Christmas season. And for as many of us, probably most of us, we're waiting for more than just shorter checkout lines, right? We're probably waiting for more than closer parking spots. And at the same time, like, that is my prayer life right now. <laughs> something to get me in and out of there more quickly. Maybe for, for many of us, we're waiting for more than a Christmas bonus. And you're like, no, we are all waiting for that, right? Or we're waiting for more than Christmas break. And at the same time, oh my goodness, my kids, they are, they are so ready. They are counting down the days to Christmas break. I mean, no offense to any teachers here with us this weekend, but I'm telling you, my kids are praying fervently petitioning the Lord, anything that will speed the day of Christmas break. They pray every night to wake up to the sweet sound of Bill Briscoe's voice saying, New Albany Floyd County Schools is on a two-hour delay. <laughs> Passionate prayers. And some of you, some of you faculty and staff and teachers are like, we're praying the same thing, right? But all of us are waiting for something. We're waiting for something. And some of us maybe feel like the circumstance that we're in, it's helpless. It's left us hopeless. For some of us, maybe right now, we, we feel so much conflict in our heart of hearts, so much conflict in our family, so much conflict in our friend circles, 
that peace is nowhere to be found. And we're not, we're not pumped about hanging out with family come Christmas because we got a glimpse on Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of us, we're not feeling the love. We're feeling forgotten. And some of us right now, we are walking through so much pain and stress or fear or anxiety that joy seems like an absolute joke right now. We're all waiting for something. But I'm convinced of this. And I believe that it will frame our time together this morning that all we need is found only in Jesus. All that we need is found only in Jesus. And just as Nate has been sharing over the last couple weeks, as we've been given special focus and attention to hope and to love, this weekend we're going to hang out with some shepherds in Luke 2 and see what we can learn about joy. The joy is more than an emotion. It's, 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 it's a quality and so there's a lot going on here in Luke 2 in the verses leading up to right before the verses that we're going to unpack this morning. Namely, Jesus has been born. Ta-da! Right? It's literally like, spoiler alert, Christmas is here because Christ is here. And you may be thinking, Ben, like that, you're supposed to wait and talk about that in a couple weeks at Christmas time. Nope, we're in church, people. I'm going to talk about Jesus, Okay. Mary and Joseph, they've made, they've made their way to Bethlehem. Jesus has been born, and he's been wrapped up in clothes, and he's been placed in a manger because nobody made room for them in the inn. And that's where we're going to pick up the story this morning. And so we're going to get after it. If you've got your Bibles, uh, you can turn to, to Luke 2. Words are going to be on the screen, but I've got to tell you what I tell our young adults all the time, and it is simply this, that when we step into the story of Scripture, we do so with expectant hearts. Because I believe, we believe, that God intends to do something in his word and through his word in our time together in it, okay? Advent is not just a season. Advent is a posture, okay? It's a mindset. So we're going to jump in. Luke 2, I'm going to be reading from my 1984 Falling Apart NIV. Pick it up in verse 8. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly... Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. So let's just stop there for a second. Let's talk about these shepherds for a moment. Because sometimes when we think about shepherds, we think of like bathrobes, right? And a staff, or that like fluffy little lamb that's on their shoulders. It's so well behaved, like wearing it like a cardigan, right? Or we think of a, a, a nativity scene, right? I mean, you can't hardly think about shepherds without thinking of a nativity scene with these men who have these strikingly majestic beards <laughs> of biblical proportion. Some of you are like, oh, that's what Ben's doing with his face right now. Wouldn't that be great? I'd love to be in a live nativity. It's funny, this time of year, everybody, this is the time of year everybody's so much more concerned about my well-being 
Is everything okay, Ben? Yep, yep, everything's good. Is that really on purpose? Totally, all right? But these guys, they lived a lonely life. They hung out with each other and their sheep. I mean, they spent their, their days watching and caring for the only animals on planet Earth capable of eating themselves to death, okay? Conversation was probably not mind-blowing, okay? They, were, they had a hard job. They were isolated. They were forgotten. The flocks that they're caring for, they've got to be on the move all the time because that's what sheep do. They eat, and then they keep eating, and they wander all over the place with intent to eat more. And so they've got to lead them to new pastures. They've got to lead them to fresh water. And so these guys aren't getting to go home at night. Home is wherever their flock is, wherever their sheep are. They're treated with contempt. They're treated with mistrust. They're not getting invited to parties, okay? Because there's such a relational gap, nobody's hanging out with them, so nobody knows their character, so nobody wants to have anything to do with them. Their testimony, it won't even hold up in court. It's not even permitted or allowed to be in court. And because of their work, they were considered ceremonially unclean. And it would take weeks on end before they could become or be made clean. And it's because of the nature of their work, they couldn't attend any or participate in any religious service, in any worship gathering. It'd be like saying, no, you can't come to church. I mean, this is the story of their lives. And these guys, the sheep that they're watching, this is, this is between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. They're watching the sacrificial sheep. They're, wa- they're watching and caring for the, the temple sheep. So think about this for a moment. The sheep that they are watching are for everyone else to participate in the worship that they can't. This is their story. They have no social standing. They're outcasts. They're neglected culturally. In the Jewish social structures, only lepers are beneath shepherds. And these guys, they're just getting by. And more than likely, they've resolved their hearts to just make do. More than likely, they didn't have an adventually mindset. They weren't thinking adventually God is going to do something. Something is going to happen and change everything. Something, God is going to do something and flip the script and tell a different story with my life. Though they had every reason, like everybody else, to be waiting for a Messiah of some kind, more than likely, they weren't waiting for anything. They weren't looking in anticipation to the skies, expectantly hoping that God is going to do something new. They had resigned themselves to likely believe this is as good as it's going to get. That this is all life will ever be. The nation of Israel had not heard from God in 400 years. There's a gap between the promises of God in the Old Testament and what is happening here And maybe right now you're asking yourself, am I a shepherd? Like, I feel the gap. Like, we feel the gap. We feel like we're on the outside. We feel forgotten. We feel like our job, our work, is keeping us from taking the steps that we want to take into the life of the church. We know we need community. We know we need people to journey with. And everything else around us is keeping us from taking those steps. And we're pushed to the margins. Or we feel like we're always on the move. We're so busy. we got so much we've got to take care of. 
that we can't seem to put our roots or our hope or our joy or our peace into anything solid and we feel disconnected. We feel totally isolated and restless and busy and fearful and maybe right now you're just exhausted and you're fatigued and maybe right now you feel like God isn't paying attention or he's not listening or if he is, for some reason he's not doing anything about it and maybe that's where your heart is Right now, resigning your heart to believe that this is as good as it gets. That this is all that life will ever be. Hang with me here because something happens. An angel shows up and these cats, they're terrified. It it literally means that they are scared to death. They are terrified. They're scared. And that's a pretty common response. If you do any studies throughout scripture about like, angelic encounters almost every time people their response they're freaking out man okay they are scared to death and it's because when an angel shows up they don't know if that angel is bringing judgment or blessing okay but that's also the reason why almost every time you see an angel in scripture go to say something the first things out of their mouth is do not be afraid Do not be afraid. And I love that. But what he says next, what the angel says next is absolutely huge. And sometimes we're so familiar with the Christmas story that we just skip right on past this. And I don't think we can. Because the angel says this, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The Savior has been born. He is Christ our Lord. Let that sink in for a moment. Good news, great joy for all people. Good news, great joy, that's for everyone. And it is simply this, the Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. This means this, you are not forgotten. This message is to say, my promises are going to be kept. This is the only time in the New Testament that those three titles are referenced and sandwiched together in the same space. The Savior, the promised one, the promised one who will save everybody, the Christ, the anointed one, the one that everybody is waiting for, the Lord, master, leader, the king we follow. He's been born. And the first people, The first people to hear about it are the people who feel the farthest away. The first people to hear about it are the ones who seemingly have no voice, no standing, no options. The first people to hear about it are the most isolated, the most disconnected, the most forgotten. And maybe this weekend this is the only truth your heart needs to hear. Maybe this is the truth that you've been waiting for, that God has not forgotten about you. That his joy is not for everyone but you. That whatever you're waiting for, he has more and he is more than you're expecting. All you need is found only in Jesus. And nothing is going to keep him from getting to you. That's why I love Paul's words in Romans 8 when he's speaking to the church. He says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, the present or the future, height, depth, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter how far away you feel right now, no matter how forgotten you feel right now, 
you will never find yourself so far from God that his love will not find you. And maybe that's what your heart needs to hear right now. Good news of great joy, and it's for everyone. And it's all bundled up in this kid in a manger. But joy, joy is a pretty big topic. And we only got so much time. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at some things I think we can grab a hold of in this passage about joy. And the first thing, if you want to fill in the blank, get it? (laughs) The whole thing's blank. Again, that in my head was so funny. Um, <laughs> I mean, it really is. The whole thing's like. Number one, this is worth writing down. Joy is a gift, and it's for everyone. Joy is a gift, and it's for everyone. This gift is Jesus, and Jesus is for everyone. The joy of salvation bundled up in Jesus is for everyone. This Savior, this Christ, this Lord I believe this, that what we write, we remember. And I do not want us forgetting this. Joy is a gift and it's for everyone. But this is also what it tells us. Jesus is the source and sustainer of our joy. Jesus is the source and sustainer of our joy. Jesus is the gift. Jesus is our joy. And if we can fast forward for a moment from Christ's birth to his last night with his closest followers, his disciples, before going to the cross the next day, he's in a conversation with his disciples. And in John 15, there's so much going on. And what he's doing is he's talking about what it looks like to be in right relationship with him, to experience a relationship with him. And he's talking about how much he loves them. And in the same way, the father loves the son. And he's telling them to abide. He's telling them to wait. He's telling them to stay put. He's telling them to remain in his love. He's telling them stay rooted. And that in obedience, we remain in his love. Not that when we're disobedient, we don't have his love. What he's saying is the best place for you to stay is in right relationship with me. And then he says these words in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 11. He says, I have told you this so that, very important words, so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. See, when when we obey, when we let Jesus be Jesus, when we let him be Savior and Christ and Lord, and just as Nate said this last week, when you let him love you, when you let him lead, be at the helm of your life, you're remaining. And all of this is so that we would be filled with joy, his joy. He's inviting them. He's inviting us to get rooted in right relationship with him, to remain rooted in him, connected in him, because that's the best place for us to be. Because Jesus knows that he is the source and sustainer of our joy. Because joy is a gift, and he wants everyone to experience this joy. Here's another truth I think that we can glean here about joy. And when Jesus is in his rightful place in our lives, Joy overflows from our lives. When he's in his rightful place, 
joy overflows. That's why when he's in the wrong place, our joy is robbed and our joy is replaced with all kinds of fear and anxiety and worry and restlessness and insecurity. The list goes on and on and on. I mean, that's why our joy can't be tied to if only or what if. Like, if only I could pay this off. If only I had that job, their job. If only I got this pay raise. What if I got that promotion? Or if I had this house, or that car, or this degree, or that relationship. If I got to go on that vacation. Our joy can't be tied to what ifs and if onlys. The question maybe for you this weekend is this. Is Jesus the source and sustainer of your joy? Because if he isn't, something else is. And it will never, ever be enough. Something else is. So who or what is it? Who or what are you pursuing as a source and a sustainer of your joy? Is it approval? You just want people to like you. Is it a sense of accomplishment? Hey, I got that done with no help. Is it a sense of status? Maybe it's an addiction to substances or images or devices. What is it? If it's a status thing, is it, is it vocationally? Is it educationally, relationally, socially, economically? I'm telling you, all of our ollies are at stake here. Every single one of our ollies is at stake. Jesus is the source and sustainer of our joy. Everything else falls short. This joy is a gift, and he's for everyone. Second big thing I want us to grab a hold of this morning is this. They didn't go looking for it. Joy came to them. They didn't go looking for joy. Joy came to them. I think these shepherds, they are shocked. They are stunned. They are surprised. I don't think they saw this coming. Not to mention the heavenly host that joins the angels singing, Glory, take a breath, Gloria. Right? Take another breath. In excelsis. Take a breath. Right? You're like, you're like, no one. We can never finish that, that, that chorus without taking a breath. Right? They are singing. The angels, the armies, are, they are singing glory to God in the highest. That's why we can sing that song with them. This, this is an army of angels. It's too vast to count. These are military terms that Luke is using here. They didn't go looking for it. Joy came to them. And I love this. I love this. This is not a proclamation of happiness. This is a proclamation of joy. This is not a proclamation of of happiness or avoidance of pain or tragedy or troubles or hardships. This is a proclamation of joy that the one we've all been waiting for, the Savior, the one who will set all things right and save us from the things that we cannot save ourselves from, he has been born. 
This army has not come to make war. This army has come to bring joy. I think we often get happiness and joy confused all the time. Happiness is circumstantial. It's tied to people and places and things and thoughts. Like, I am happy when I find the missing match to my favorite sock. I don't know what's eating them, but they disappear, right? Like, I'm, I'm happy when a barista hands me a peppermint mocha because it is like drinking a box of Girl Scout Thin Mints, right? I'm happy when I find money in my pocket that I forgot about. Like, I'm happy when Chick-fil-A sauce shows up, even if the chicken doesn't, right? It's Christmas, this stuff is amazing. Like, I'm, I'm happy when I'm in my treehouse. I'm happy when I, when I get to crawl into fresh, clean sheets. Amen? Right? Like, I'm happy. Don't get me wrong. Happiness isn't bad. It's just not enough. It's just not enough. God knows what we need, and he's always going to speak to your deepest need. And he's always going to meet that deepest need in Jesus because he knows that all we need is found only in Jesus. Happiness isn't bad. It's just not enough. Joy is deeper. Joy is more than really happy happiness. Joy is knowing who you are and whose you are. Joy is knowing what you have been saved from. And this joy... This joy came to them. This joy comes to us. Emmanuel, God with us. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy is permanent. It's permanent, and he wants to permanently fill you with his joy. I don't know what you're chasing, but whatever you're chasing, whatever you're waiting for, If it's not Jesus, it won't be enough. If it's not Jesus, it's not worth it. Church family, the pursuit of happiness is no substitute for the presence of joy. No substitute. Happiness is great. I'm telling you, I love it. I live it. I think I'm pretty happy. (laughs) But it's never going to be enough The reason why I'm happy is because it is rooted in my joy. Joy is dependent on choice. It's not dependent on circumstance. Happiness has to do with how we feel. Joy has to do with who we are. Happiness has you at the center. Joy has Jesus at the center. There's a difference. And that's why That's why we can walk through heartache. It's why we can walk through sorrow and grieve and still have joy. Having joy is not intellectually dishonest. It's not emotionally dishonest. It's not fake it till you make it positive thinking. It's not put your head in the sand and pretend like life does not hurt. That there are not things that will make your heart ache. But it's why we can be joyful when we seemingly have no reason to be happy. Because joy came to them and joy comes to us. 
I want to take a look at a few more verses that we need to give attention to this morning. I just want to skim some of these following ones. In verse 15, it says that when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so these guys, they hurry off, they scurry off, they find the family. I don't know. One of these guys probably drew the short straw and had to stay back. Like, take one for the team, right? Like, we just had an angelic encounter, and you guys get to go, right? Like, something like that had to happen. But they go. The angel gave them a sign. And they found Jesus just as the angel said that they would. And when they saw him, it says that they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this kid. And in verse 18, it says that all who heard it were amazed. And so these guys, they headed back to their sheep. They headed back to their flock. And in verse 20, they headed back to their way of life. Verse 20, it says, They went away glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, just as they had been told. These guys, they received the message. They immediately obey. They go, they see, they tell, they return, and they worship. Think about this for a moment. They're watching and caring for the sacrificial sheep. And they've just come face to face with the sacrificial lamb. They have reason to worship. So here's one more thing I want us to to lean in on and grab a hold of. It's the third thing. Joy is a posture and perspective. Joy is a posture and perspective. With joy comes a new way to do life, a new way to see life. Joy leads to action. Joy leads to mission. These guys had something to say. The first thing they do is start spreading the word. And I love this, that that the only people that no one is listening to are the only ones who got something to say to everybody. I love that. And when they do, everybody was amazed. Everybody was amazed by what the shepherds had to say about this kid. And my question for you this morning is this. Are people amazed by the joy that they see in you? Are people amazed by the joy they see in you? Can they tell that you have encountered the Savior, the Christ, the Lord, Are people amazed that when they know the pain that you are walking through, the suffering that is the road ahead of you, that somehow, some way, you have joy? Are people amazed by the stories that they hear from you? I mean, these guys, they didn't know everything. They didn't know everything at all. But they knew enough to know that this kid was a big deal. Do you know enough to know that Jesus is a big deal? Do you know enough to believe that Jesus is a big deal? Because if not, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? But if you do, who are you telling? Who's waiting to hear this truth from you? When joy is in you, it will come out of you. And if we don't have it, we can't share it. 
These shepherds, they went back to the same old life. But they went back with a whole new way of looking at life. They had the same struggles, the same circumstance, the same pains, the same sheep, the same social status, the same prejudices that they're encountering, but they went away in worship because they had reason to. This morning, are you needing a new posture? Are you needing a new perspective? Are you ready to praise God for what you have seen and heard him do? Joy is a posture. Joy is a perspective. And oh, how necessary that perspective is as we wait. Because eventually, he's coming back. And people are watching how we wait. People are watching how we wait. The power behind joy points people to Jesus. The power behind joy points people to praise. The power behind joy shows a messed up world that someday all will be set right. The power behind joy tells a wounded and weary heart that whatever you are walking through right now in this life, on this earth, it is not forever. Because Jesus is the source and sustainer of your joy. God is still good. And when Jesus is in his rightful place in our lives, your joy will not just be complete. It will not just be permanent. It will spill out into everything. And people will see that there's something special about you. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of God. Here in a moment, we're going to share in communion together. And if you're one of our amazing volunteers that, that give this time to serve so many of us, you can make your way back. We'll get some stuff prepared. We're going to share in this time together. We're going to share in the bread. We're going to share in the juice. These reminders to fix our eyes on Jesus. The one who set his sights so squarely on saving you and me and us that he endured the cross but he scorned its shame and he sits in glory so that our joy would be his joy that our joy would be complete that it would overflow and if you're here this morning and you don't know this joy and you're not so sure about Jesus. There's going to be a tray coming your way here in a moment. And you can just let it pass by, and that's okay. But hear me. This joy, it's for you too. This joy, it's a gift. He's a gift. And he's for everyone. But you have to choose it. You have to choose him. And my heart hopes you do.
because all you need is found only in him. But if this weekend and you are with us this morning and you are a believer and you have this joy and you know who Jesus is and you have claimed him as the one who saves you and the Christ that is anointed and the leader, the Lord of your life, take the bread, take the juice, fix your eyes on Jesus and give thanks. Give thanks because your joy is complete. Let's take communion together now.